Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Now, this one is the real episode. Actually, I think that would be really funny if that was my intro for the episode. It's just me going, and now! Yeah, no, no, definitely. We should, that should be our intro. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you're confused, it's because we just talked for 40 minutes about something that is definitely going to become <laughs> a bonus episode um, at some point, uh, but it was too long for us to just have it in the beginning of our regular episode. So um, look forward to that coming out either before or after this episode. I don't know. We still haven't decided that. Um, I just have one question for you. What year It's is 2022. It? <laughs> Actually, it's 2021 and we're reading Maximum Ride. Aren't you excited? Don't you love Maximum Ride? Why are you so I want close to, to die. the screen? <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, the next book series we read will probably probably be isn't it Divergent next? I don't remember. Something. It'll probably be of higher quality than this. I think. I would say it's hard not to be, but then I consider, like, fuck, we read Twilight before this. And if you put Maximum Ride in a, contest, a contest against Twilight and ask me which one I wanted to read, I would probably just immolate myself. <laughs> it's hard because it's like they're bad in such different ways. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, Maximum Ride is just very, like, stunted and awkward and short and way too fast and confusing at times whereas twilight was just so drawling and it took forever for bella to get to the point but if i had to choose between the two i don't know honestly it would depend on the day because i have a lot of love for both series uh, I think I would probably rather read Twilight just because I've read it so many times that I could get through it really fast. But then again, I also think about how many times Maximum Ride has just made me laugh hysterically until I cry. And that's, that's something. That's something. I'm just kind of terrified of like, because <laughs> I thought, I thought at twi after Twilight, I was like, nothing can be this bad. Yeah. And now we're reading Maximum Ride and I'm like, holy shit it can be this bad so we're gonna go to something else and it's gonna be like look we had twilight and we have maximum ride we we've had everything like it can't be as bad as these and somehow it's gonna find a new direction to go to be a different type of awful well i know that we had said that we were gonna read divergent which is a whole different kind of bad like, it's also not very good from what I remember reading it. Um, and so, like, I feel like we're just going to keep finding new ways to be disappointed in YA literature. There's no, there's, every time you think you found the final way to be disappointed, another six books have been released. Yeah, <laughs> essentially.
So, um, I gotta say, uh, part three of School's Out Forever definitely dipped back into the what the fuck this is awful territory of the first <laughs> book. The first two parts were, were kind of, we're, we're soaring above it for a little bit there, but we just fucking nosedived right back into it. Yeah, it's, this part had several parts had several little pieces that were making me go, ex fucking excuse me. Although it does have some of my favorite little moments in it as well that we've had so far. Um, namely, one of them during the Thanksgiving scene because it made me laugh hysterically. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but <laughs> so without further ado, why don't we just get into this? Let's talk about it. Um, chapter 57. Uh, so if you don't remember, cause it has been a while since our most recent episode, the last part that happened was Max going into Angel's room and talking to her. And then she was asking about Ari and like how, what like kinds of thoughts that Angel got from Ari and Angel was like, oh, he's really mad and he hates you, but also he loves you a lot. And we were all left going. I don't know what the fuck that means, but okay, the creepy little kid said it. Forgive us for our immense confusion and uh, uh, break there. <laughs> we both did this chapter. <laughs> yeah. But the current one that is on our shared it's document yours. is the one that yes. I wrote. So I'm going to read, read that. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to cut that down because that is not entertaining. Um, but anyway, so chapter 57, Max wonders how Ari could possibly love her, then almost runs into Fang in the hallway. She laments that Anne is taking her place, to which Fang responds that Max is a fighter, not a mom, and to give herself a break. Max gets mad and asks if she's not a good mom because she isn't quote unquote girly enough like the girl Fang was kissing at school. She pushes him, he pushes her, then remarks that she is girly enough, referencing when she kissed him on the beach. Uh, he then says that she's been a great mom, but is also young and needs to give herself 10 years to figure it out. Then he says that he's writing a blog. Which is the weirdest fucking drop at the end of that conversation and is so out of place. It felt like literally James Patterson came to the co-writer and was like, hey, I need you to mention that he's writing a blog. Maybe that's the only thing that James Patterson actually writes. Is the blog on his website. <laughs> Which wouldn't surprise me because it's all very short and just like nothing. And he talks about himself a lot. It makes on the blog. so much more sense, too, that all these threads get written in and then just dropped when you consider yeah. that it's because James Patterson is just basically like, hey, do this with the book. And so then, like, everything the writer was, like, putting into it was just like, oh, I guess we're ignoring that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, So in this chapter, there's a part where Max, like, shoves Fang and then he shoves her back and has her, like, up against the wall. <laughs> And um, I definitely remember being 13 years old and being like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. 
I would like to be pushed against the wall by a handsome man. I sent you that meme earlier. <laughs> so I have discovered, I have entered into the Maximum Ride fandom on Tumblr because it exists, I promise. And um, there are a bunch of people who post Maximum Ride memes. And there was this one that was just like um, pictures of them from the manga overlapped with... Uh, onion article titles and it was fang in like a suit and the title is just area man too busy being quietly handsome to join party (laughs) (coughs) and it's so good it's so good and like it just it gets (laughs) (laughs) fang is literally written Like, I know that the lady who wrote this was just like, I'm just going to write a man who, like, 13-year-old girls will absolutely love because that is exactly what she created when she created it. And it makes so much more sense now that Fang is what he is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So chapter 58, Max 2 is watching Max prime from a tree and cries a little bit because she's lonely and says that Max is lonely too. This was weird. That's it. That's the whole chapter. It was it was less than a page long. She was saying like, oh, Max is lonely even when there's a bunch of people around, just like me. And I was like, where do you get that impression? She has never once mentioned feeling lonely. It's also written so poorly because she like says it out loud like she's talking to Max. And it's like, you could have made this entire scene internal and have these be her thoughts and make it a lot less awkward. Yeah. It was weird. I didn't like it. But then again, I don't like much of what goes on in these books. (laughs) Par for the course. (laughs) Chapter 59. The flock is going on a surprise field trip, as Max's friend explains. Iggy loses track of the teacher and is helped by a girl from class who is happy he's there because it makes her stick out less since she's the tallest one in class. A 14-year-old, 5'10" girl that would stick out a little bit uh yeah absolutely (laughs) while on the bus a teacher explains that they'll be visiting the white house and other important places in dc you know on a surprise field trip because people totally just go on surprise field trips with no parental notification or consent forms or anything they just show up at school one day i had this funny thought (laughs) I had this funny thought about this while I was reading it because I was also like, that doesn't happen. Um, That maybe the school, since it's so close to Washington, D.C., because they live like literally right outside of D.C., that at the beginning of the year, the parents just sign a paper that's like, at some point, we may just take your children to our nation's capital. You will not know when it's going to happen. (laughs) But it's right down the road. So whenever our teachers, the teachers get to take a vote every morning before school. And if it's it's like a majority who are like, I don't want to teach today. They're like, okay, we'll just take all of the children into Washington, D.C. I just like, I just imagine some parent comes to the school. They're crying. They run in through the front doors. They're like, Susie, where's Susie? I gotta take her to see her grandma. She's dying in the hospital. And she's just <laughs> and they're just running down the halls of this school. 
looking for anyone and it's completely empty. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's a beautiful thought. <laughs> really? Oh my god. Chapter 60. Yeah, so Iggy made a Iggy friend. Iggy made a friend. Emmy made a friend. Yeah. There's a part later on that I will uh, mention this friend again, and it's very funny to me. But anyway, go on with your chapter. Uh, Max waxes poetic about the lack of diversity amongst government representatives and the successes and shortcomings of the founding fathers before devolving into patriotic drivel. Uh, Nudge touches the Vietnam wall and cries because she feels all the sad. And then Angel goes missing at the White House, but is returned to the group by the President of the United Fucking States of America. <laughs> I'm proud to be an American! Are you good? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna need you to actually, like, cut in an eagle call there Oh my for god! Me. What do you think I am? All right. Our sound editor. All right. All right. I want to read the first three paragraphs of this chapter, if you don't mind. Oh, please. It's fucking painful. It is abysmal. Okay. So if you're ever feeling a lack of middle-aged white men, just pop into the Capitol. Not so much the House of Representatives, which has a bit more color and texture, but the Senate. Jeez. Yes. Let's have more testosterone running the country. Okay. First paragraph, ace. We're good. We like it. We're here for it, okay? In the Capitol building, we watched a short movie about our founding fathers and how they tried to create a perfect system of, of government. They sounded so freaking sincere, the whole perfect union and all men are created equal thing. Except, of course, for the men they owned as household property. Not to put a fly in the ointment. All right. We're good. Second paragraph. Ace. Max. It's a little cringe. It's cringy the way it's being presented. But, like, it's accurate. Yes, it's good. Max has is, like, correct in her assessment. She's also just dumb, as we have discussed. Paragraph three. But despite all that, hearing their words, seeing the Constitution, getting the whole story of what they were trying to do, well, you gotta give them credit. They really were trying to set up something good and fair, kind of in a way that no other country before or since had tried to do. Long and short of it, democracy gets a big thumbs up from me. Max, are you aware that there are other countries in the world that have democratic systems of leadership? Are you aware that many countries after the United States specifically modeled their democratic process off the United States in an attempt to do the same thing the United States had done? And many of are them you have aware done it that many? <laughs> I was going to say, are you aware that many countries have said, hey, that democracy thing is a good idea, but let's not do as shitty of a job as America did? What's so funny is, like, she's acting like America did such a good job with democracy, um, but has ignored the fact that, like, we're all we're coming in last fucking place when it comes to, like, diverse leadership. Like, the first female president ever was in New Zealand back in, like, the 19... 70s or something like that and then there's also been multiple female presidents in i don't want to get this wrong uh but i know in ireland they have had female presidents 
because I read a book about it when I was. And plenty was of female young. prime ministers uh-huh. around the world. Yeah, like Max, I don't know what you're talking about. Like it, it really feels like something that would make sense to like a a, a thirteen year old. But like why it's in this book and why this character who is supposed to be smarter than a thirteen year old is saying it, it is like it definitely. To me reads like james patterson picked up the book and read what was there so far and was like there's not enough america yeah he was like hey can you make this a little less like down on america and gabby was like okay here's this paragraph gabby was gabby was like what do you mean and then james patterson just started making eagle calls (laughs) it's i i do like the idea we so what's so funny is like I just talked about Gabby, the co- the co-author slash ghostwriter for James Patterson, um, and I realized that that was in our bonus episode that is not at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, bonus episode has to come out before this. Now. Absolutely, it does because otherwise everybody's gonna be like, "Who the fuck is Gabby?" Gabby is my friend. She wrote Maximum Ride. <laughs> Oh my god. You don't know her. She goes to a different school. She goes to a different school. Chapter 61. Jeb and Ari are watching security footage from the White House, and Jeb is very interested in the bird kids. But Ari is big mad, and he knows that he's going to get to kill the bird kids, so Jeb will be forced to care about him. You know what? I'll say it. I actually do sympathize with Ari, and I think that his cut-in chapters have added a lot to this story. I think we would have done very well if we had had them throughout the Angel Experiment, because you get to actually understand what his motivations are beyond just, like, big bad wolf man. Which I honestly think is probably uh... some some kind of criticism that, like, James Patterson got from fans that they then had to that gabby then had to fix i do feel i i do feel bad for him at this point i'm just like damn man and it's your dad doesn't give two shits about you exactly also you seem to have an intense incestuous love for your sister that's really freaking me the fuck out it is really terrifying to me um but we also have not seen any hint that ari knows that max is his sister (laughs) but we know we do know like when you as the reader know that they're brother and sister and you see it have this love happening it's still fucking weird it's like in star wars with luke and leia it's like it's not less weird just because they don't know yeah um I just, I also, like, I feel bad for Ari as well because he very clearly is supposed to have the mind of a young child, but, like, in the body of a big, terrifying monster. And there's a chapter later on that, like, really made me go, oh, my God, why is Ari the most sympathetic character in this entire series? Like, it's it's one thing to have his perspective and see, like him feeling like Jeb doesn't care. It's an entire other thing to get his perspective and see that Jeb literally doesn't care. Yeah, no, it's not just like, I don't think my dad cares. It's I'm watching your dad not give a shit about you, bro. Exactly. 
And it, it sucks because it's like Jeb keeps saying shit like, oh, you have a role to play. Don't worry. You just have to do what I say. And it's like, this is your kid who you have allowed horrific experiments to be performed on, including we know that Jeb was one of the people behind grafting these wings onto him. I was about to say, you literally grafted wings onto your child's back. Yeah. And, like, if if we're going to deeply analyze this, like, imagine Ari spending his whole life seeing himself as being inferior to Max and then now his dad is like, hey, I'm going to make you more like Max. Like, oh, my God. I just, I, Ari is, Ari supremacy at this point, honestly. Like, he deserves so much better. This poor kid. Uh, everything that happens to him is so sad. And, like, I, I get that he. New dad. Yeah. I get that he's, act, that he is, like, a monster and he is, like, really violent and stuff. But it's, like. It's possible to have sympathy for someone who has performed monstrous acts. I mean, I love Kylo Ren with all of my heart, so I feel like I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> anyway. Fucking email. <laughs> Chapter 61. Oh, that was the one I just read. I saw we. Chapter 62. Nudge deduces, or thinks that she deduces, that the code from the Institute's files might be referencing the Bible. I guess. Um, and, like, her thought process for it is something that, like, I get. Like, she, it, it definitely makes a little sense. Because she's like, well, what if this code... She's like, well, if the code is computerized, we're literally never going to crack it. Because, like, we don't have the kind of processing power in our own brains to crack a code that was made by a computer. But if it's referencing, like, a book that is going to be super common that everybody's going to have access to maybe it's the bible and then they go and they get the bible and they're like maybe it's not this edition because all of their research bears no fruit um but then iggy is like well this is the king james edition would you say that it did not bear the fruit of knowledge I didn't make that joke on purpose, but, like, we can pretend that I did and that I'm very funny. Yeah. Anyway, so they're like, oh, this is the King James edition. It's literally the most common edition in the world. Like, this, if it was going to be the Bible, it was going to be this one. And then it's all just gibberish, so it doesn't make any sense. So um, they give up. Oh, my God. King James is the original Robert Pattinson putting his name on the Bible that he didn't write. Sarah is dying. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just so funny to me. Because, like, what if Gabby put that in the book on purpose? <laughs> what if it was a cry for help? <laughs> I write my own successful young adult novels. Why am I writing this? <laughs> 
hold on. Before you're done laughing, I'm just going to put this part in. Nudge brings up that she's been reading the Bible to strengthen her relationship with the Lord. <laughs> she's. <laughs> it's so funny because uh, they're like, oh, do we have a Bible? And Nudge is like, oh, Anne had one. I borrowed this from her. And then she gives them a look and she's like, I'm strengthening my relationship with the Lord. And can I just say, having it be the one black character that doesn't make it so much better. Oh my god. Nudge, we love you and appreciate you. You're great. Um, But so then Fang, after they give up, the young kids have gone to bed. It's just Fang, Iggy, and Max. Fang cracks a joke about girls liking him, and Max is annoyed by it, so she leaves. Uh, but not before Fang asks if she's been reading his blog, and she says she has been, and that, like, he writes good poetry or something, which once again feels like James Patterson trying to advertise the fact that he has a blog, which is very funny um, to think about in the year 2021. Like, can you imagine putting, like, promotional material in your book for the blog that you write? Or the podcast! Like, can you imagine if in your book, at some point, Kat just, like, looks directly into the camera and just goes, and by the way... (laughs) (laughs) Vi looks at her, what the fuck is a podcast? Oh my god. Um, oh, I meant to say earlier, I forgot. I said I was going to reference this when we were talking about the scene in DC. So when Max is like looking around for the flock, she sees Fang with the girl, who I think her name is Jess. I don't remember. But he's, she sees Fang with the girl and she's like, Ugh. And then she sees Iggy with Tess. I'm guessing the red-haired girl's name is not Jess, considering the other one's name is Tess. So I'm going to, we'll say that's not canon. Um, But so she sees Iggy with Tess and she's like, aw, she seems nice. I'm happy for him. But then she also wants to be like, I'm not jealous of Fang. You're stupid. You're an idiot. What are you talking about? Of course you are- Get in your corner. <laughs> literally, like, you're looking- You in- Within the same paragraph, she looks at Fang with this girl, and she's like, Ugh. And then she looks at Iggy with Tess, and she's like, Aw, that's so nice. What? We're bonking Max and sending her to horny jail. I would, I will bonk her myself, okay? Good lord. Anyway, that's the end of chapter 62. Chapter 63. Iggy and Gazzy find out they share recess on Fridays, which is really weird because Iggy's 14, but anyways. Uh, And they go to investigate the school basement because Gazzy found it recently and is very curious, which I wouldn't be because it's a school basement. What the fuck do you think you're going to find in a school basement, weird-ass kids? Though they happen to, 
in this instance, but, like, normally you should never think you're going to find anything in a school basement of interest. I mean, every school I've ever been in that has a basement, like, the basement is also utilized by students. Yeah. Like, I don't remember if it's... Nagel had a basement. I don't think it did. But I know Maddox did, and that's just where the art room was, and that's where that's how we would get to the gym. And then the at Anderson, which was our high school, not to dox where we used to live, um, that's where the pool was, and the weight room, and stuff like that. So, like, the basement is yeah. usually just, like, where things, where, it's not like it's a cellar. <laughs> Like it's just it's just another level below ground level, but anyway. And if not, it's just used for storage, and it's school storage. You're not gonna find anything. Yeah, exactly. It feels like they're just being nosy kids, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, while they're down there, they hear voices, so they go into one of the rooms and they hide. Uh, at which point they hear the principal outside telling another employee uh, in the most insulting way possible uh, that she's incompetent and that she needs to hide those documents where no one else will find them. Though first he says destroy them. Then he says hide them where no one else will look for them, which is really weird because, yeah, they definitely don't destroy them. Yeah, so. no, they just stick them in a cabinet. I don't know why he started with destroy them and that was ignored. But So, like, um, Iggy and Gazzy are hiding in a file room. And they'll bring this up later, but this is a room where, like, normal files are being kept. But then she just, like, sticks these files that are supposed to be, like, lost. And so nobody can find them in a cabinet in that room. Yeah, it, uh... It doesn't seem like a very good hiding spot. It does seem like a hiding spot where Iggy and Gazzy would be able to find the things, though. So, good for them. Which they do. Yeah. Because they manage to not get caught, and then they find the things in the filing cabinet. But that happens later. later. <laughs> yeah, later. Um, but yeah, they do avoid notice. Uh, they leave the room. And when they get to the stairs to go back up, they realize that people are coming, are about to come down the stairs and people are also coming from the other end of the hall. So they're stuck in a pincer formation. Uh, and the scene ends. <sighs> chapter 64. I see your note on this and I love it because this chapter also made me incredibly angry. Anyway, continue. I will rant. <laughs> the principal finds Max and Nudge researching missing children on the library computer, but is unable to question them thoroughly because of an explosion in the distance. Wonder what that is. Uh, the alarms and sprinklers go off, and he charges out of the room, being all pissy. Max and Nudge both know that it was Iggy and Gazzy doing something. This is so fucking stupid. No one knows what's happening outside of the library. No, no one in the library has any idea what's going on outside the library at this moment. So all that happens is this guy who is the principal and he is an asshole. 
but he is still the principal, hears an explosion that sets off fire alarms and sprinklers in the school and decides instead of getting the kids out of the way, he's going to push them out of his way so that he can run out and find whatever caused the explosion. Yeah. No one has any reason at this point to suspect that it's Iggy and Gazzy doing one of their little pyrotechnic activities. For all this guy knows, a gas pipe just blew up somewhere in the school. Yeah. And he's just running around assuming that somebody did something wrong, throwing kids out of the way with no concern for anyone's safety. What the fuck? Yeah. This doesn't make any goddamn sense. This guy feels like the epitome of like an adult in a story who is evil just for the sake of being evil. And like, I personally love stories that are told from the perspective of teenagers that include corruption in adults because like it's honestly like teaches you a lot of lessons about you know being mindful and questioning things and you know stuff like that but like you still can't like it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't create uh meaningful stories if your character is just evil and has no motivation, but they're just like an asshole for no reason. Like when he comes up to Max and Nudge when they're in the library and they're just like sitting there, like as far as we can tell, they're literally just sitting there like quietly, like looking at the computer and he comes over and he's like, what are you doing? And they're like, uh, Nudge is like, oh, we're just looking stuff up for civics class. And he's like, really? What part of the curriculum? And like before, like the explosion goes off and it's like, why (laughs) what is his motivation to be questioning them so much they're using a computer to look something up and it's not like it's porn or something they're just googling like missing kids in the area from like 14 years ago or whatever which is not something that like i feel like would set off a lot of red flags it feels like something pretty standard that like a high school student might be researching What the fuck? He is walking conflict. He is walking, breathing conflict. And that is all he represents okay. in the story. So we said in the first book that Ari existed to just be <laughs> So does that mean in book three, we're going to get the principal as a cutaway character where we get start to sympathize with him too? God, I hope so. I really want to know what's going on uh, behind the scenes with Mr. Pruitt. Like, really, it's it's very important to me and my peace of mind that we really dissect and understand his character. I just want to see Mr. Pruitt at home late at night with a book and a glass of brandy crying over the loss of his British wife. <laughs> I forgot that he's British. (laughs) It's so dumb. Oh my god. Chapter 65. The headmaster yells at them for a while. Then Anne comes to get them from school and lectures them, which barely phases Max. Because she's like grounding them and stuff. And they're like, I mean, we were just homeless two weeks ago. So, like, that's fine. Who cares? 
Like, she knows that they're Once. constantly in life-threatening situations, yet she's going to be like, no TV. Okay. Whatever. What if she just cuts off a toe each time they fuck up? Oh my god! I don't think they would let her do that! They're stronger than grown men! Don't you remember? Uh, um, no. Oh, sorry, they're stronger, they're stronger than, than Simone, Simone Biles. Biles. <laughs> yes, how could I be so silly? Once again, though, why are... So the first time they were called to the headmaster's office, it was Max and the other two. This time he has all six of them. And once again, it's just Iggy and Gazzy doing shit. Yeah. None of the other kids have done anything wrong at all at any point in these chapters during. So it's like, why do you keep gathering all of them up to yell at them? Yeah. Literally two of them did something. I don't have any siblings, so I don't have any context for this. Um, and Brandon's brother wasn't really, like, a troublemaker, so I don't know if he was ever, like, called into the principal's he was just office an idiot. or something. So, um, I don't know if this is standard practice. Like, when one sibling is in trouble, do you go gather up all the others? Which I imagine would be very difficult to accomplish at a Catholic high school. <laughs> did something wrong we gotta go gather up his 12 siblings from across the campus <laughs> it's funny because brandon also grew up catholic but like he only has one sibling so like my joke kind of doesn't ring very true but still <laughs> my dad went to catholic high school but he went to an all-boys school and he only had three sisters so I don't think that would have applied to him unless they would like, so my dad was at, you know, boys high school. And then I actually do not know if my aunts went to the all girls high school or if they just went to McNick, um, which was, sorry, which was the Catholic high school in our area that was boys and girls. Um, but like, wouldn't it be funny if like my dad got in trouble at boy high school for like, I don't know, his shirt being untucked. And so they like called girl high school and they were like, bring over the sisters. <laughs> bring the Schraders over. Schraders. <laughs> oh my God. And and just so everyone understands, um, yes, it was a, there were lots of Catholic high schools, and yes, they had uniforms, which included girls in skirts and button-ups. To be fair, most of the skirts were knee-length, unless the girl decided to hike them up. Um, but yeah, we had Catholic. We had a Catholic uh, K through eight school in our neighborhood and right across the street from there was the high school that was boys and girls and then there was a boy high school and there was a girl high school and i think there was a second girl high school but nobody ever went to that one that one was really far away 
The boy high school Cincinnati was also really Catholic. far away. It was. It's a Catholic area. <laughs> my, I mean, my my dad's family was Catholic. Both sides of Brandon's family are Catholic. Uh, like I used to have dinner with our local priest all the time. My dad was an altar boy, uh, back in the day. You know, he's fine. <laughs> Nothing happened to him. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Please, you would have heard that story by now. I I assure you. <laughs> but anyway, that's good. Long story short, it is odd that they have called all six of the kids into the cl- into the principal's office, especially because the principal was actively talking to Nudge and Max when the smoke bomb went off. So like. He would have kn- also. What kind of smoke bomb are they setting off that it made a big boom? Smoke bombs don't go boom. Yeah, they typically just. Sizzle. Yeah, you just. It's like uh, there are some that you literally get that are like it's literally like popping the tab off of a soda, and you just like pull it off and the smoke starts billowing out. They don't go boom. That's kind of the whole point of them. They're more covert. <laughs> But anyway, I assume that the boys have just, like, made this thing out of a box of scraps oh, in a cave. Maybe it was... Maybe, okay, so they never actually said what it was. I mean, I'm inferring that it's a smoke bomb based on the details, but maybe it was a flashbang. Oh, it could have been. I That's a very bold technique for the boys to employ, considering the whole problem was that they were about to be caught... Um, and well, because flashbang bangs blind. Well, yes. So, if but they also, flashbang... there weren't people like right next to them. They were like coming down the hallway. So, like Iggy and Gazzy set off this flashbang, and like someone is like thirty yards down the hallway, and they're just like, "What was that?" <laughs> <laughs> Okay, see, now I'm just imagining that, like, instead of throwing it towards the other groups of people, they just set off the flashbang and drop it at their own feet. <laughs> well, blind and deafen themselves. So they say that they're, like, stuck everyone... between because, like, someone's coming down the stairs, but someone's also coming down the hall the other way. So, like... Yeah, they're getting pincer maneuvered. What is gonna... What are they going to accomplish? I don't know what the smoke bomb is going to do, honestly, in that situation. Also, I just want to say, most sprinkler systems have computerized sensors in them. And they don't, like, so if there was a fire in my closet, the sprinkler in my closet would start going off. But the sprinkler in my bedroom would not immediately also start going off. Like, because they have sensors in them so that you don't just, like, destroy the entire building. With, like, if... That would be, like, if my smoke alarm started going off. If the person on the first floor, like, at the other end of the building, theirs also started going off because there was a fire in my apartment. That's not typically how sprinkler systems work because there's a lot of property damage that happens when sprinklers go off. So, like, I'm baffled that, like, they set off this smoke bomb way far away in the basement of the school and moments later the sprinklers in the library started going off wacky it's wacky i feel like we talked about this whole scene way too fucking much um 
Talk about chapter 66. Chapter 66. God damn it. Move on. The flock is grounded, but it's fine because they were recently homeless and dumpster diving for food. So they literally do not give a shit. Like Nudge is like, I mean, there's still lots of games and books in the house. So like, who cares? Um, Max decides that they're going to leave after Thanksgiving. On her way up to her room, she hears Anne watching the news in her room and sees a woman on the screen talking about her son going missing 14 years ago who happens to look just like like Albert Einstein. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, she actually looks just like Iggy. And they're, they give their, like, full... It's so funny to me anytime an author tries to write someone talking on the news, but they clearly, like, don't really watch the news or they didn't bother to, like, read any kind of, like... Because, like, there's a very specific way that people on the news talk, right? Like, you you know when you're listening to a news broadcast, people are... They talk in a very, like, specific way, but then you read someone writing as someone who's talking on the news and you're like the person on the news wouldn't say that that's weird and it's just like the way that they talk is always so funny to me but like they're like oh this is mr and mrs griffiths which they theorize is iggy's last name and they lost their son 14 years ago like they give a lot of details about what happened that makes it very apparent that these are probably iggy's parents But um, then Max is also like, but Iggy's dad is dead. I thought. But then she doesn't really think about that very much. And then she just goes to her room because she's like, oh, my God, that's Iggy's parents. You know who else is dead? Who? Angel's innocence. Yeah, absolutely. She's fucking insane. Chapter 67. Max tells Fang what she saw on TV and tries to convince him to go searching for the house with her. He points at the, out that they're grounded, uh, which they both just laugh at. Yeah. Like, what is she going to do? They can literally leave whenever they want. They're fugitives. Like, it doesn't really matter what she says. Like... I don't... Are they? I mean, I'm, it is called The Fugitives Book 2, Maximum Ride, School's Out Forever, but are they really fugitives? Yeah, I, I found out uh, just today, actually, that... So I was wrong about the breakup of the books. So the first three books are The Fugitives, and then the la- the four through infinity are The Protectors. So this really yeah. is just a trilogy. And I don't know if I'm going to want to keep reading this after the third book. So, you know, I guess we'll see if it leaves us on a cliffhanger and we're really wondering. Um, but anyway. I'm, I'm not. I don't. I don't think we're going to make it to book four. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it now. No more. No more Maximum Ride, please. Um, I remember the experience of reading Midnight Sun after just wanting to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I We had... Like, it's it's sad because we had so much fun with the first five chapters of Midnight Sun, and then it stopped being fun for, like, the entire rest of the book. Yeah. And I feel like that's how it was with the last section of School's Out Forever. We were like, all right, this is fun. And now we're like, god damn it, what the fuck is going on? God damn it, Gabby. What are you doing? You, got, you fucked it up, Gabby. All right. James Patterson needs to put you on a tighter leash. <laughs> Chapter 68. 
uh, Fang starts getting really hot while they're flying, and he thinks it might be due to having Max's blood in him, which might have caused him to gain her abilities. So he might just go supersonic. Um, but that just kind of gets... that. It, that's the last time it's mentioned until sometime after this section, at least. Uh, after an unsuccessful search, the two return to the house where Anne is still awake and waiting. They can see her, even though it's 3 a.m., up in her room. Uh, she doesn't come and say anything to either of them, though. Though, based on what Max says, it seems that she believes Anne saw them coming in. It's kind of unclear. Uh, Max worries about whether Anne may or may not be some kind of spy. I understand where she's coming from. This entire situation is very weird. Yeah, it's getting weirder the longer it goes on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like it's it's being played up as being too genuine on her part because she was like, oh, this was your one big opportunity and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't know who you, you are. And I don't up, trust you. Stupid you. little shit. And I don't remember how this goes. I think I said earlier that I don't remember it being a trap, but I also don't remember if it's not a trap. So it could be. I don't remember. That's why I'm sitting here. I'm just like, I remember Sarah saying this isn't a trap. Man, this really feels like a trap. I literally just remembered everything, but I will say nothing. All right. Um. Okay. <laughs> chapter 69. Oh, chapter is yours. Chapter 69. Yeah. Funny number. The next couple of weeks go by pretty normally with the kids all going to school and nothing crazy happening. That is, until Max gets asked out on a date. Dun, dun, dun. And while she's telling everybody about her going out on a date, everybody's like laughing and having a good time and like asking her about it and stuff. And then Fang says nothing. Nothing. Because they're obviously hot for each other, but neither of them wants to say it for some fucking reason. At least they're not hot for teacher. <laughs> I've been hot for a few teachers in my life. Sometimes teachers are hot. It's not my fault. Anyway, chapter 17. Max goes on her date with Sam, uh, which is the guy from a while ago who was nice to her. Um, and things go pretty well. That is until they're having ice cream and Ari appears outside the window. Chapter 71. Max tries to figure out how she'll escape the ice cream shop, including considering tipping the table over to slow Ari down, which I'm not sure how that would work or why she thinks that would work. Uh, once Sam regains her attention, he compliments how she's not like other girls because she eats what she wants. So, okay. I'm going to give this... I, I hate it. I hate it, to be clear. I am going to give it a pass purely because this was 2007 at, like, the height of the, like... Because, like, nowadays, I, there's still a lot of, like, unjust body standards for women in the media, right? However, nowadays, it's much more fashionable to be curvy than it is to be stick skinny, but in 2007, that was the thing. Like, it was low-rise jeans and, like, really tiny little crop tops and, like, every single runway model and every, um, 
fucking actress and stuff was like as thin as could possibly be. And it was huge at that time. And so like, like, I mean, thinking about it now, like looking at like Jessica Simpson from back then, I don't know if you're at all aware of what she used to, well, she looks pretty much the same now, but like in 2007, which was like the height of her fame, people used to criticize her for being fat. She's like a size four. Oh my God. Yeah. So like people like that was the thing back then. And so like at at this time when like the craze of, of appearance for girls was to be as like bony and skinny as humanly possible. I'm going to give it a pass, but if it had taken place in any other time period, I would be ripping into it as much as humanly possible. It's still bad because not like other girls is still a bad thing. However. Well, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Chapter 72. Sam's sister drives them back to Anne's house and Sam tells Max about more about how she's not like other girls (laughs) while they kiss. Yes. So, uh. Yes, yes. Not like other girls is still a thing, uh, and it's still bad. But the ice cream thing, I will at least, because I want to believe that reading about a cute boy who thinks it's cute that you eat a lot of ice cream um, might might send a positive message to girls who are young. But then the later when they're kissing and he's like, you're not like other girls. That's weird. I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, she is very different. Like, literally speaking, she's the most different girl he's ever met because he's never met another, like, mutant freak. But But he doesn't know that. (laughs) He doesn't know that. (laughs) He's just... (laughs) He's not like other girls in this situation. Because Max actually does make that joke. She's like, I'm really not like other girls. But... I do. I. I also. But his not like other girls is very not that. I also would like to give him like the smallest amount of credit in that he's probably just trying to be nice because he is a fourteen year old boy. But like the fact that this was written by like an adult woman is like very cringy. <laughs> I'm cringe. All right, uh, chapter 73, Max goes inside and Fang comes to talk to her about her date. Obviously a little jealous. Obviously a little jealous. Max is like, he was... Obviously. Max is like, he was nice, but who cares? Life is whack and it can't go anywhere. Then she realizes she saw another Max outside with Ari and she and Fang talk about what that could possibly mean. It's fucking comical the way that she's like oh my god i saw a clone of me outside that must be the eraser version of me and it's like why are you coming to that realization now just like thinking back on what happened while you were having your date you you know a a reflection doesn't look like a person if you keep looking at it it's very easy to pick you have raptor eyes oh my god maybe that's why she can't figure it out because birds like fly into windows and stuff all the time maybe she actually can't tell that it's not a reflection oh my god (laughs) yes that is absolutely it you have hit the nail on the fucking head my friend chapter 74 i'm disappointed no i'm sorry you you left out all of the flirting in this chapter 
the flirting between Max and Fang. Yeah. They do flirt a lot in this chapter. I'm sorry. Because he, she tells him about how she keeps seeing herself morph into an eraser in the mirror. And then he tells her how cute she probably is as a dog. Yeah, he was like, and probably be like a starts like, and he starts crawling towards her on the bed. And then he goes, Ruff. I I just can't believe you left that out. I I don't. I think I my eyes glazed over as I read it because it was so cringy. <laughs> Um, it does in fact happen. You are correct. Um, <laughs> it happens. I'm sorry. That is my bad. Would it make you feel better if I went back and read it out loud? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Please read it. Okay. We're going to do a dramatic reading of this. Okay. <clears throat> The reason I asked about that, I took a deep breath and looked away. A couple times, when I've looked into a mirror, I've seen myself morph into an eraser. Fang didn't say anything. I touch my face, and it feels just the same, human, smooth, but the mirror shows me as an eraser. I looked down. I couldn't believe I was admitting this out loud. There was a silence. Oh, sorry, my bad. There was a long silence. Seconds ticked by like hours. I bet you'd look kind of peekin'-easy, Fang said finally. I snapped my head up to look at him. He seemed very calm, very normal, despite what I'd just told him. What? Bet you were kind of cute, pup girl. He bared his teeth as if they were fangs and made a little growling sound. Ruff! he said, and made a pouncing motion at me. I smacked him upside the head. He dodged to one side, laughing, but I jumped to my feet, angry. He held his hands up in surrender, when with difficulty stopped laughing. And that was, that was their lovely flirting from chapter 73. I just can't. <laughs> he said, Ruff! Maybe that's why I didn't include it. It was because my my blood boiled when I read that part and I wanted to throw my book across the room. Hey, pup girl. <laughs> Please continue with chapter 74. Ari and Jeb argue over the fact that Jeb keeps telling him it's not time to kill the flock yet. When Jeb literally tells Ari he's replaceable. Uh, Ari has to restrain himself from choking, well, nearly choking the life out of Jeb, uh, then storms off and cries in a tree while munching on his own arm. Okay, you say munching on his own arm. He was having an emotional breakdown and he morphed into an eraser because he couldn't control his emotions and he bit into his arm to like stop himself from making from like screaming and making a lot of noise. He's not just like yes. um nom nom nom. <laughs> Ooh, good treat. He's like very emotional. This was the chapter where I was like, "Oh my god. I can't believe Ari is the most sympathetic character in this entire book." Oh, Ari and, I'm just and like, Iggy. Jeb. 
Jeb, bro, like, it's not, it's not that hard <laughs> to give, like, a half a shit. Yeah, for him to just be like, if you're not going to listen to me and do as I say as your role in this story, I'll just find someone else who will. And it's like, that is your child. That is your son who you chose to have. And it's like, it's not even like, so this is going to sound bad. If Ari was the older sibling and maybe like he wasn't on purpose, maybe like he was an accident and then Max was like the planned child, um, and was like the, the pro, the prof, the prophetical child, right? Whatever. I may understand. I'm not gonna say it would be okay. Obviously, it would not be okay. But like, I might understand Jeb being like that a little, cause it's like him being like, well, I never meant to have you in the first place. But like, Ari is the younger son, so like, obviously, like. You did a thing to have a child. <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> Yet you're sitting here like, Ari, you're replaceable. Why did you have this kid if you were never going to give a shit about him? I'm confused. I'm not saying it's okay even if I, he is the I older don't sibling, by the way. I'm just saying narratively speaking, I would understand the character more. No, it makes more sense from a narrative perspective to have it work this way. This just doesn't make sense. Yes, exactly. But I feel for Ari. He's my boy. I want him to... I want him to kill the flock. I'll be like, good for him. Oh, yes. So much better. Ari kills the flock and then saves the world. Hell yeah! Max is too busy pussyfooting around, so he just, like, snaps her neck and saves the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is, we're going to be rewriting Maximum Ride just like we rewrote Twilight. <laughs> All right. Chapter 75. Ari's fucking done with their shit and shows up right in front of Max and Fang while they're looking for uh, Iggy's parents' house and murders them. Hell yeah. Book over. No. <laughs> okay now so uh max and fang find the house where Iggy's parents supposedly live they go up to the door and and knock on it with max having no idea what she's gonna do so when they when the mom answers the door fang is just like uh we're selling wall street journal subscriptions and Iggy's mom is like no we already have one and then they just run away and Max is like, well, that was probably Iggy's mom. <laughs> like, Very silly. What? Um, I mean, like, I get what she was doing because she was like, I, I think she was just trying to double check that this was the right house. So, like, if the lady came out, they would be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely her. I don't understand, like, why she didn't be like, okay, so what do we say? Before just, like, going up and knocking on the door. Because <laughs> she had no idea. She had no no plan whatsoever. Fang just had to improvise after following her up there. Oh my god. Max never thinks before she acts. So chapter 76. Iggy is blind. This entire fucking chapter. Uh, and it's actually really annoying because they literally mention it, I think, eight times. If we were playing the drink every time Iggy is blind game, I would be dead. He is blind from this chapter. The whole chapter. 
Um, but anyway, he and Gazzy go back to the file room in the basement and find some files indicating the school used to be an insane asylum. Then they find a long, dark tunnel. That's the chapter. Um, That's it. Chapter 77. The flock looks over the documents and find that the school's website says the school has been in the same building since 1985, but according to the rest of the internet, it's only existed for the past two years. Then they hear on the news that the president allocated a billion dollars from the military budget into homeless shelters, indicating that Angel influenced the president to do that. Um, so I went ahead and looked it up because I was like, that is not a lot of money. Um, not that I'm like, oh, that's not a a billion dollars is not a lot of money in general, just like not for like a government budget. Um, the U S military budget in 2007 was $699 billion. Literally no one would be talking about a single billion dollars being scraped off the top for homeless shelters. Like, it would not be a huge news story. Some people might be talking about it. Had it, it. been a hundred billion. Yeah, if it was like a hundred billion, no. But the thing is, is it's like most people, they hear the annual budget be announced and they're just like, oh, that's a lot. You know, it's not like if it was 699 billion and then the president was like, all right, new military budget, 698 billion. No one would care. Like, they would be like, okay whatever like some people might be like oh it's a billion less than last year but like it's not going to be a huge news story that's fucking hilarious that people would say that it's a huge deal i understand that to a child a billion dollars is a fuckload of money and like a billion dollars is a fuckload of money don't get me wrong but when you're talking about our u.s military budget which hey nobody needs to tell me I know that it's insane. I know that it's ridiculous. I'm com- Don't you mean the defense budget? I am um, adamantly anti-war and think that the military should be abolished. But that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about the fact that the military budget is huge. And when it is $699 billion, a billion dollars being peppered off the top is not newsworthy like it would not be all over the news in fact what angel did by having him only allocate a billion dollars from the budget is actually really smart because that's not newsworthy and therefore nobody would notice and it's very covert but because of the way this was written it makes it seem like it's a huge deal but it's but it's not but I digress. Chapter 78. <laughs> the flock fly off into the night and land at the bat cave, which smells like lots of bat shit. Max tells them that she thinks it's time to leave, but to her displeasure, the others are quite attached to the idea of staying for Thanksgiving, and she eventually relents. Yeah. Chapter 79. The flock makes Thanksgiving dinner together and free and freaks out about a turkey and the popper on it. Uh, yeah, Anne is like, oh, what if the popper doesn't go off? What if it's defective? And then later Max is like, oh, the popper went off. And Anne is like, what if it's defective and it's wrong? 
And then Max is like, just take the turkey out of the oven. It's funny because, okay, so for those of you who don't know, because I understand that this is probably, this might not be a universal thing. A lot of turkeys in the U.S. come with a little white plastic thing in them that are designed to, when the turkey reaches, like, whatever the cooking temperature that's supposed to be inside of a turkey for it to be fully cooked is, which I think for every poultry it's, like, 165 degrees. Um, But when you – so when it reaches that temperature internally, the the top of it pops up. So you've got, like, this little white stick that's sticking out of your turkey. So when it's in the oven, you can just look inside and see if the popper has come out. Dick? Yeah. Um, so me personally, I don't typically get a turkey with a popper in it. I usually just use a meat thermometer when I cook a turkey. Um, so that, you know, I can check. Yeah, it I never, I didn't actually know what this popper thing, like I, I inferred what it was. Mm-hmm. I just have never actually had seen a turkey that had one. Yeah. Like my mom just always used a thermometer. Yeah. I think. I don't even, I don't remember if my mom ever had one. I don't know if they come in the turkey or not. Maybe they do and I've always just taken it out and just like not used it. I don't know. I use a meat thermometer. I just open it every now and like, so every 30 minutes. So the way I cook a turkey, I'm not going to tell you in detail, but one of the steps is that every 30 minutes I take, I open it up. I open up the oven and I based some of the like fluids from the bottom of the turkey roasting pan onto the turkey to keep it from getting too dry. And so every time I do yeah, that, I check my the mom does that. Too. Yeah. So every time you do that, you just te- check the temperature with your meat thermometer. And when it gets to the point where it's like, cause meat thermometers will just say like, Oh, Turkey. Good. Like, you know, uh, you know, I'll, it, when it gets to that point after a certain number of hours, you're like, Oh, we're good. And then you take the turkey out of the oven. But that's what the popper thing is for anyone who was confused. Uh, So chapter 80, Anne asks the kids to say what they're thankful for. um, And they all basically are just like my family and food. Um, And then Anne says that she wants to adopt the flock, which is fucking hilarious. They have only lived with her for a couple of weeks and have caused a fuckload of issues. Um, But my favorite part of this chapter and my favorite part of the book so far is Nudge goes, I'm thankful that I have big brown eyes and long eyelashes. Like her literally just being like, I'm thankful that I'm cute. Ooh, is such a fucking mood. I love Nudge. She's the funniest character. Like her and Iggy make these books for me, honestly. She's so funny. She's also thankful for MTV. Oh yeah, she's also thankful for MTV. Which is also hilarious. Do you think she would be thankful for MTV's Teen Wolf? I think she would love Teen Wolf. I don't know if Teen Wolf had started when these books were being published. I think it did. I think she just watched it for the puppet dog they had that spoke (laughs) this Oh my god. So chapter 81, the flock heads out to Iggy's parents' house. And there's this big emotional scene of the parents getting excited and Iggy deciding to stay with them. Max is sad to lose him and the mom says that she'll never let him go again. And like, good for them, but also you have dangerous scientists and large wolf men hunting you everywhere you go. 
So you're just going to leave Iggy on his own with normal people? Like the like seems like a bad plan. So if we had I had I thought about this earlier because I I when we had previously discussed the idea that they were going to try to find their parents, I had like considered the idea that like, oh, isn't that kind of dangerous for them to just be with normal people? And then I was like, well, now that I think about it, maybe if they're left with normal people, then it would incentivize the school, like de-incentivize the school from hunting them because like it's going to become really obvious that you're like hunting and taking children if they get the parents involved at this point when the the kid is not like an infant, right? But also the erasers don't really seem to give a shit about attacking them in public. Like they literally attacked them in a McDonald's in the first book. So like, it doesn't really make sense. Like, I get that Iggy gets to go be with his parents, but, like, what's going to happen when his parents just get murdered and he gets kidnapped again? What's the logic here? Like, I understand that, like, they're... Oh, huh? once his parents get murdered and he gets kidnapped, he won't have any tie- anything to tie him down. So then they can just bring him back into the flock and not worry about him running <laughs> off again. So I just, like... I guess I just question if Max is supposed to be smart and and their leader, right? Does she not understand? Like when, when the voice was like, maybe stop trying to find your parents for right now. I feel like there's, there has to be a part of the voice. That's like, it's not going to solve the issue at hand, which is that you are being hunted. Like if you had gotten to the end of this arc about the fact that you were being hunted and were apparently needing to save the world, then found your parents that would make more sense but like it's so unsafe what they're doing with Iggy right now it just doesn't make any sense to me I don't know I like went on an internal tangent while reading that chapter but Iggy's blind Iggy is blind and they talk about it six times in that chapter alone uh Okay, chapter 82 and 83 are the last two chapters, and basically it's just people crying because Iggy is gone. Mm-hmm. And, and demanding to know where Iggy is, and them being like, no. And then she's like, I'm going to report him missing to the police. And Max is like, well, he's just another missing kid. Oh, well. And then Anne shuts up. Yeah. That's it. Those are the last two chapters. <laughs> that that's it that's part three yeah we made it to the end we've done it um let's see the next 80 pages from 240 to 320 uh 320 blade wait no so that's gonna be chapters 84 through 109 uh 110 starts on page 320 so i don't want to read it um no no. uh so until 109 uh is our next section and we will do our best we cannot record next weekend um which will be meaningless to you because i don't know when exactly these episodes are going to be released anyway um but we're gonna do our best to get these out at least bi-weekly 
Um, if not, get back to a point where we can do weekly. I got a new job recently. It's been really stressful um, and just been like really tiring and taking up a lot of my time, obviously. Emmy also works full time, which is hard. Um, this this show was a lot easier for us to make constantly when Emmy didn't have a job and I was only working part time. <laughs> Now we both work full time and we got to fi- figure out how to keep doing. Yeah, but um But don't worry. We're going to keep doing. Yeah, don't worry. We're going to keep doing it. We got to at least get through maximum rides so that we can read something hopefully better, which I do not remember what our next series is. I think it's Divergent. I can't remember if we had wanted to do another vampire book series before doing Divergent. It was going to be Divergent and House of Night were our next two. Oh, yeah. So it's whatever order we decide to do those in. Yeah, so we'll see if we want which one we want to do next. Because I know Divergent is another sci-fi series. Um, So, you know, maybe we'll switch it up and go back to our roots and do a vampire book series. But, you know, um, we do want to keep doing this. It is really fun. And we love getting feedback and hearing from you guys who enjoy it. Um, So... I'm excited uh, to do the next part. And, oh, I want to mention, I want to mention, we now have merch available on Redbubble. So there is a link on our Twitter page that you can follow. Um, But if you just search Literary Masters on um, Redbubble, you can find our shirts. There are three different designs. There is the standard Literary Masters logo. There is the Pride logo, which has four different Pride flags on it because we feel four different kinds of proud. And then there is the uh, more minimalist version of our logo that's just like the LM um, with the, I believe, with the book ends. I don't remember. But so um, they are available on all kinds of things. You can get them as T-shirts. You can get them as stickers, as laptop cases. And I spent a lot of time in their little editor fidgeting with this design so that it would fit and look nice on every single product that you can possibly think of. Um, It's on backpacks. It's on blankets just everything journals anything you can possibly imagine um and we do get a cut of the profits if you buy anything from Redbubble. um and we really really appreciate it if you wanted to like show your pride for our show um i know i myself want to get a couple of things because um it would be super lit to like have a phone case of my own podcast um so i hope you guys like those and um, I'm not kidding. If you're looking at some of those designs and you're like, oh, the logo on this thing just looks too big or too small or it's like up too high. Just like message us on Twitter and I'll fix it. I'll go in there and I'll edit it if you think it looks dumb. Don't worry. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, we can fix it. It's, it's all a learning process. I mean, I had to get help from Steffi when I was first making it because I was like, I didn't know if it looked good or not. So um, thank you so much for listening. Um, follow us on Twitter at LitmastersPod. M is at M of many names. And I am at Sarah S. Wilton. 
Um, shoot us an email over at literarymasterspod at gmail.com. Hit us with a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash litmasterspod. Um, literally message us, tweet at us. We love to hear from you. So please do not be quiet if you have something you want to say. Even if you want to criticize us. I want to know. Or if you want to call me Unless out. Unless your criticism is we don't have enough episodes. Yeah, don't don't say that we don't have enough episodes because I'm very tired and I, I won't be able to do more than what we're doing right now, but we're doing our best, okay? Tell tell us what you like. Tell your friends about us. And we'll see you next time. I'm a pup girl. Ooh, ooh. Ah. <laughs>